Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Reporting live from somebody's island with somebody's son. <laughs> it's your girl, Juicy. <laughs> yes. No, for real. I'm at home in the bed pretending I was on somebody's island with somebody's son because we can't go nowhere. We stuck in the house. COVID cases are constantly riding. You know, we've been in these streets chilling outside open back up covid was chilling on our couch like <laughs> i heard you bitches was looking for me <laughs> here i go now everything shutting back down people getting sick left and right and i can't go nowhere meanwhile southwest southwest for real like they keep sending emails talking about fly here for 49 dollars. fly here for 49 dollars. i mean they kind of thirsty right now. And I get it. You know, giving me Spirit Airline vibes. No shade to Spirit Airlines. You know, do what you got to do. Make your money. Everybody got to go somewhere. Everybody need to take a trip. But I'm just saying, like, I ain't really... I don't know, man. I'm just kind of feeling... Uh, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm tired right now. I'm tired of being in a house. I'm tired... Are these people trying me at work? I'm tired of. Ooh, I'm just, I'm just tired. I, I'm, I'm weary. I'm weary of the ways of the world right now. You feel me? And I just, I just want to pretend that I'm on an island, chilling. You know what I'm saying? Just like cooling, just like relaxing. You know, it's been so overwhelming for me and my anxiety been on 10 and the only thing that's making it better right now is this wine oh yes you caught me in the middle of a wine down but it's all good because i'm gonna still bring you this juice and today's juice is brought to you by arrest the damn cops that killed brianna taylor text enough to 55156 to demand justice say her name Brianna Taylor we will not forget her we will not let her death be in vain we demand justice for our sister oh yes man it's so much listen it's so much going on right now that I just want to relax okay and I want you to relax so today we're going to talk about anxiety and if you feeling anxiety right now, then you in the right place. This is the right episode for you because we're going to talk about anxiety. We're going to learn how to recognize anxiety in our bodies and in our minds and shit. And we're going to end it with some coping skills. All right. We all love a good coping skill. Yes. So let's just pretend we're on an island. Won't you come with me on my private island? And let's get into this juice. No tea, no tea, just juice, juice, no tea, no tea, just juice, juice, no tea, no tea. Look, peace is power, period. Nobody's perfect. You got one time to shine. Tell me, is it all worth it? Cleanse from within so you don't corrode your surface. I hope you find your purpose. Be rounded as this earth is. I pray your goal is intact. My mind's a circus. Admit that I struggle with that. I make it bad, Jack. I remember way back. Medicine ain't juicy. Fruit for the mind. And she always had two trays. Dropping 
gems that help you prosper. Elevate your intuition, illuminate your chakra. She do it for the culture. We running from them vultures. Addition to be suppressed. Can't mention being depressed. Can't talk about dealing with stress. Won't deal with being overwhelmed. Till it's the point of distress. Look at your life as a mess. Here come juice with the flex. You gotta love it. Your life, you gotta live it. Trying to get a handle on it. Juice gon' help you get it. Gotta buy two vibe and a top feel flow. The stuff I know the rain change. You can still grow. Be your own hero. Polish up that steel low. Go ahead and let it out. Right here on Juicy Cash. No tea, no tea, jet, choo, No tea, no tea, jet, choo, No tea, no tea, jet, You already know what's going on. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I'm your host, Sherelle, also known as Juice, and you're now listening to the No Tea, Just Juice podcast. If you are a first-time listener, welcome. You came on a very good day. Today, we're going to be talking about anxiety. Yes. You know, I've been wanting us to talk about this for a minute, honestly. And when I started planning the content for the show today, I originally wanted it to be just everything about anxiety. And I was like, yeah, that's going to be way too long of an episode. Anxiety is, that's a broad topic if you want to cover everything. You know what I mean? Um, So I just tried to narrow it down to the things that I felt would be most helpful. And I wanted to start off by just saying a couple of things. The first thing is that you're going to have anxiety for the rest of your life, okay? And anxiety is not a bad thing. Let's just start there. Anxiety is a response that happens in us, to us, when we are presented with something that could be harmful to our overall well-being or just a threat to our safety, right? And it drives emotion. It moves us to into action, okay? And that action looks differently depending on what the threat is and depending on the person. We need that to keep us safe because if we didn't have this response inside of us, then we'd be dead by now for sure because there would be, or just really fucked up because there would be nothing in us to tell us to stay away from something. There would be nothing in us to warn or alert us to danger and we wouldn't do anything to keep ourselves safe. Make sense, right? If you experience anxiety at some point or if you struggle with anxiety, know that you're not by yourself. About 40 million people currently, I think, have a diagnosis of some kind of anxiety or anxiety disorder. We all have it. And at some point, it becomes disordered in some of us, at least. What this disordered anxiety looks like is basically... An individual will have a fear response that is disproportionate or not appropriate to the actual threat that's being posed. And then this individual will develop maladaptive behaviors to cope with the anxiety producing or provoking situation or entity. Okay. That's basically saying that I'm feeling immense 
fear and worry and dread from something that's really not harming me. And I am doing things to avoid that fear that are affecting my quality of life. And that's a problem. Does that make sense? I'm trying to explain it in a way that makes sense. Okay. I hope it does. But anyway, so we are going to talk about how anxiety can show up in us. Everyone experiences anxiety different. Some of us have more physical symptoms. Some of us have more psychological symptoms. Some of us, all of us have behavioral symptoms, but we're not all aware of all three of them in us. So I thought it would be helpful to go over some of the various signs and symptoms of anxiety and just see if any of it resonates with you, okay? Some of the physical symptoms of anxiety include heart pounding or, you know, racing heart, feeling flushed or that sense of flushing, headaches, dry mouth, some stomach pains, nausea, diarrhea, muscle aches and pains, restlessness or just an inability to relax, sweating or dizziness. Does any of that resonate? What about some of the psychological symptoms like excessive worrying, huh? Does that resonate? Being really irritable. A lot of people with anxiety, they don't know that they have anxiety or maybe the people around them don't know that they have anxiety and it can show up as anger or lashing out, just being really irritable or feeling on edge. Impatience and fatigue. A raceless mind, like your mind is going blank even sometimes difficulty uh, retaining memories okay and difficulty concentrating does any of that resonate what about some of the behavioral symptoms obsessive or compulsive behavior is a big one right phobic behavior and one that we see all the time is avoidance of situations we're going to get into that in a second but also just distress in social situations now this is definitely not an exhaustive list of signs and symptoms but these are some of the common ones that we see and i think it's really important to point this out because a lot of times people do not recognize this as anxiety and sometimes when you look at them isolated they're not, right? I could just be worrying a lot about something that's coming up that's really important to me that I probably should worry about, okay? And maybe my shortness of breath breath is related to something totally unrelated to anxiety. And I probably am nauseous because I had something bad to eat. So, you know, these symptoms don't always mean that it's anxiety, but a lot of times when you're experiencing these symptoms, especially more than one, and it's in response to different things that you're dealing with, it's anxiety. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, what are some symptoms that you you have found to experience? Me personally, I definitely can relate to the excessive worrying and the fatigue and just the difficulty concentrating. Those are big ones for me. And also um, avoidance, <laughs> avoidance for real. So avoidance is something that we see in the cycle of anxiety. You want to talk about that? The cycle of anxiety. I don't know if you've heard of that, but it basically explains how a person behaves in when they're presented with a threat and what they do to kind of 
get around that threat and why that doesn't work. So let's talk about that. Actually, let's let's just talk about that. So the cycle of anxiety starts with an anxiety-producing situation that leads to uncomfortable symptoms. Some of the symptoms that we we just talked about, like fear and a racing heart and sweating and feeling, I don't know, uncomfortable or overwhelmed or whatever, (laughs) you know, and worrying, right? And then when we are presented with this situation and we have these symptoms, what do we do? In this cycle, we avoid, okay? And and I think it's just human nature, like, to want to uh, move away from things that make us feel like that. So when these uncomfortable symptoms kind of come up, the way that we control them is by avoiding it, okay? And when we avoid it, we have what is called short-term relief from the anxiety. So, you know, our brains go, whew, crisis averted, right? And we don't feel anxious anymore. That would be good if it didn't lead to long-term anxiety growth, right? So what happens when we avoid said situation is our brains basically go, okay, so a thing happened. We avoided the thing. We didn't feel anxious anymore. That must have been a really bad thing, right? And then our brains learn that when this anxiety-producing situation is avoided, our symptoms will go away. So guess what happens the next time we are presented with this same situation? We're going to feel anxiety again, and this time it's going to be worse, and avoidance is going to be more likely. And the reason why that's important is because sometimes when we're presented with these situations, we feel like, We're going to avoid it this one time and then we're going to work through whatever the hell is going on and then we're going to be good the next time. But it doesn't work like that. And I'm going to give you all a perfect personal example. So at my last job, I used to have to give like these monthly reports and it would be like in a meeting full of like all the, you know, higher ups. I'm doing the little quote thing when I say higher ups. That's what they call themselves, whatever. And um, everybody from like the various clinics and it was whatever meeting. And I'll have to give this report. And I don't really have a fear of public speaking. But to be honest with you, the things that I was having to do was some bullshit. And I didn't really want to report on it because I always felt like I was being judged if I wasn't performing and whatever. So anyway, um, initially I did have anxiety about going to these meetings and having these reports, but after I started having like run-ins with one of the clinic managers, I noticed that I would have this dread before going to these meetings and the entire time I'm sitting in there, I'm like tripping because Like, my time is coming up, and I didn't really want to do it, and I was just really anxious, and yeah, it was, it was, uh, I hated that moment, and so what I, I remember getting to a point where I would be so anxious that I would start calling in sick to work, like, I would create 
or find a reason why I just couldn't come to work that day because I did not want to go to these meetings. And when I would do that, you know, I would feel so much better. And I would think, okay, I'm going to be prepared for next month. I'm going to be prepared for next month's meeting and it'll be fine. I'm going to, I'm going to get caught up in my work and everything's going to be fine. But it actually wasn't fine. I continued to have anxiety and I would notice from month to month that the anxiety would grow. In fact, it had got gotten so bad that I was literally walking because the meetings used to be held in this small town outside of where I worked. So we would drive like, I don't know, maybe uh, 30 minutes or so to this neighboring town to have this meeting. It used to be like at this restaurant and the food was good, but that's not, that's not what we're talking about. That's not what we're talking about. So anyway, um, I remember leaving work to go to the meeting and I was so anxious. Like I literally could hear my heart pounding and I got to the door of like where we were going to go and meet. And I had a full on panic attack. Like it was, it was really bad. And one of, well, actually my supervisor came, came over and she was just like, are you okay? Is everything okay? And I mean, I could barely even talk. You know, and I was just like, I just, I have to go, you know, and I was really teary eyed and I was just, it was, it was really bad. And that happened, you know, as a result of just my growing anxiety from, from this one situation, you know, so in reality, all the times that I was, you know, like calling out or I would find some kind of something would come up with the patient conveniently for me where I didn't, I, I didn't have to go to these meetings and, and none of that was actually helping. None of that was working for me because it was just getting reinforced each time that I was missing the meetings, right? That this is a bad situation and I don't need to go. And that was being reinforced in my brain. So the cycle of anxiety in action, the anxiety provoking situation for me was the meeting. So I began to avoid going to the meetings, however best I could do that. It didn't always work, but I definitely tried. And through that avoidance, I, you know, would feel better in that moment. When I realized I gotten away with it, I, I didn't have to go to work that day, I could miss this meeting, I felt so much better. And what was happening, though, behind the scenes was my, you know, my brain was like, okay, whew. See, I told you, I told you they full of shit. I told you, you don't need to go to that meeting. And you know, the meeting's a bad thing. You don't need to go because the next time I would have to go to this meeting, I would feel anxiety, but more severe anxiety, more severe than I felt in the previous months. Right? So that's kind of how that works. Now, the good news is that you can actually do things to reverse that cycle of anxiety. So let's talk about that. So with reversing this cycle of anxiety, we would basically be presented with the same situation, but this time, instead of avoiding it, we're going to confront it, right? We're going to confront it without the aid of safety behaviors and situations. Now, we're going to feel a slight short-term increase in anxiety, okay? And then a decrease in physical symptoms over time. 
And we're going to do this through the use. We're going to employ the use of coping skills that are proven to reduce anxiety and bring it down to a manageable level. And then over time, we will notice a greater belief in our own ability to control our responses. And how liberating is that? Sounds very liberating. And I think the thing to really think about here is that anxiety, again, is not a bad thing. And having fear is not a bad thing. It is an instinctual response to protect us. However, what some of our anxiety is doing to us is giving us fear that is not helpful. And our amygdala is firing off like crazy at all these different things that actually don't pose any real threat to us. If you're not familiar with what an amygdala is, it is like, hmm. It's the part of the brain that, I guess, alerts us to danger and threat, right? So think of your amygdala as your brain's security system. Or like your brain's fire detector. Yeah, that was a really great... I'm sorry, y'all. I'm really trying to find a way to explain this. Last year, I got into the neuroscience of anxiety. And it's, it's really interesting. It's the study of the brain and how anxiety works in the brain and where it comes from. And it's really interesting. And I encourage everyone to look it up. But... um you know, it can get a little complicated, even for me to to try to explain and to understand, honestly. But the amygdala is the part of the brain that, you know, this, this is, that's, that's the culprit. <laughs> that's the one that's, well, I don't want to say culprit, but that's who's doing it, right? She's the one up there like, girl, you better run because there's some strange shit going on. That's our amygdala. That's old Miggy. But I read this great example, okay, that I want to share with you guys about how the amygdala works, right, in our day-to-day lives. So let's say, you know, we all have smoke detectors in our homes, or we should, and the smoke detector, you know, is there to alert us of a fire in case there ever is a fire, right? Now, I've been living on my own for a long time and fortunately I've never had a house fire but I've always had a smoke detector there just in case now just because I haven't had a fire doesn't mean my smoke detector hasn't gone off my smoke detector has gone off a lot of times usually every time I cook because I can't cook and I burn stuff a lot and so when that smoke detector goes off I usually do a couple of things I may open the door open a window I usually get my um broom and I kind of fan it underneath the smoke detector and then it goes off and I go on about my business and every time it goes off I am never alerted I'm never like panicking I know it's not a house fire right I know that it's just the smoke detector Right, going off. And just like the smoke detector, our amygdala is there to do what it's designed to do, to keep us safe. But every time it goes off, it doesn't mean that we're actually in real danger. So just like when I burn my dinner 
<laughs> and my smoke detector goes off. I don't panic. I already know what's up. I'm like, oh, that's just a smoke detector. I'm good. I'll go on about my business. And we can learn to train our brains. We can learn to get to the place. We can be so liberated that we actually arrive to the understanding that when we are faced with an uncomfortable situation that we go, huh, that's just anxiety. I'm not really in any real danger. Yeah? So now I actually want to get into some coping skills. We all love coping skills. That's what you're here for. (laughs) What can I actually do on a day-to-day basis, I guess, to work through or cope with or deal with my anxiety? Okay, so I have some for you. But before we get into that, I would like for you guys to stop what you're doing to rate No Tea Just Juice. Give us five stars. Yes. And leave a review. Please leave a review. If you're enjoying this episode, tell me what you're enjoying about this episode. Okay. And also, if you're not doing so already, Follow us at Therapy Juice Bar and be sure to check out the Juice Bar blog by visiting www.therapyjuicebar.com. Now, let's get into some of these coping skills. So let's talk about what we can do to cope with our anxiety. I have some suggestions here and they are not in any certain order. We're going to start with one that we are all familiar with, and that is deep breathing. Listen, deep breathing is tried and true, and it works. Deep breathing serves uh, many functions, but in this case, it helps to calm and regulate our nervous system. Now, for people who are not used to deep breathing, if that's something that you've heard of, that you've tried, but you may need a little help with that, there are tons of apps and um, practices on YouTube, actually, that you can utilize for free to help guide you through that deep breathing. You can go on YouTube and type in deep breathing exercises, or you can download. um, I know a lot of people recommend the Calm app, but you actually, you know can download other apps like three minute mindfulness is one that i have on my phone and you know they have a few unlocked features where you can just practice deep breathing for however long i usually recommend three minutes but if you're just starting out one minute of deep breathing is fine and you can you know it'll set a timer for you and even there's a little prompt that'll cue you to inhale and exhale and it works great I've actually done it in some sessions with clients and recommend that they do that at home in between sessions so yeah we have deep breathing Um, another thing that's been proven to be helpful is physical activity or exercise like um, I don't know some people say sex helps them I guess that's physical activity I don't know but I'm gonna err on the side of like exercise and you know things like that um to help with decreasing anxiety now exercise has been found to decrease the overall levels of tension and it can also help to elevate and stabilize your mood and it's been proven that just five minutes of exercise can stimulate anti-anxiety effects in the body so that's really cool Another thing that you can do is acknowledge your anxiety, right? Call it out. Huh, I'm just feeling anxious right now. When you express your anxiety in this way, when you admit it, sometimes it helps to diminish it. 
Another thing that is helpful is listening to relaxing music. Now, um, there are going to be times when this works better than other times. Like, if you're in a full-on panic attack, then probably turning on some relaxing music may not be the most helpful for you. But, you know, I find that incorporating things like this into your day-to-day routine, being intentional about... uh, or purposeful in your efforts to create calmness in your life can help reduce anxiety when it does come on, right? So you can make your anxiety less severe by promoting regular states of calmness in your routine. And relaxing music is one of the ways that I personally do that. Now, what's interesting is that I want to say maybe a couple weeks ago, I actually heard about this song and the name of the song is Weightless. That's W-E-I-G-H-T-L-E-S-S, Weightless by Macaroni Union. I have no idea who these people are. They don't know me. Ain't nobody paying me to say this. And I'm not necessarily endorsing this, but supposedly this is supposed to be like the most relaxing song in the universe. I don't know. Like, look it up. There's an eight minute version of the song. And then there's like this 10 hour version of the song. And it's like a meditation, relaxation song. I've listened to it. It sounds pretty calming. I can't really tell the difference from that and any other meditation music but hey i actually haven't listened to it all the way through so you know maybe that may work for you but um relaxing music also um there's a grounding exercise if you don't know it one that a lot of therapists go to and this can really help when you're actually having a panic attack you know or an anxiety attack and it and it involves you incorporating all five senses it's the five senses grounding exercise and you start by identifying five things around you that you can see four things that you can touch three things that you can hear two things you can smell and one thing you can taste okay Another thing that is helpful is repeating a mantra while deep breathing. Okay, so I guess this could go with deep breathing, but um, some of the things that people say, you know, over and over to themselves, right, while they're anxious, like this too shall pass, or I release all my worry and fear, or this is only temporary. One of my personal faves is I release this fear. It is not mine. You know, it's for me really powerful. Journaling. Now, I highly recommend journaling for stress management. However, stress management is a little different than anxiety medicine, management. But um, there is a correlation between our stressors and anxiety triggers. So journaling can help untangle our anxious thoughts and allow us to transfer them from our mind to paper okay it can also help us problem solve our fear-based thoughts and find healthier solutions to say things like avoidance (laughs) Um, I'm gonna give you an exercise when uh, journaling try to list the things that are worrying you the most in this moment and explore what triggered those fears Putting your fears out in the open allows you to remove them, like I said, from your head and onto paper and also examine them. This can also help you study what is a helpful fear and what is an unhelpful fear. Sometimes when 
they're just all in our head we we really can't make that distinction okay something that's coming up for me right now is worry boxes um worry boxes is something that i've done with the little ones some of my younger clients little kids teenagers um but actually i have i have a worry box i did one in a group session that i did with kids and we were making worry boxes and i made one for myself as an example to them but i actually use it and that's where you take like a box okay and you decorate it real cute you know it's fun when you can decorate it get into it and you have like a slit at the top or it can be like a box that opens and closes, whatever you have accessible to you and you have little slits of paper where you write down your individual worries and it's a place for your worries to stay and then you can take it a step further by you know designating a certain time of the day where you pull out one thing right one thing and you're allowed to kind of focus on that worry and problem solve and work through that worry okay so that's worry boxes look them up they're cool also aromatherapy right essential oils like i actually have a diffuser going right now with some lavender in it because let me tell you the day i had at work today i ain't even finna get on that but anyway um some essential oils that have been found to be helpful for relieving stress uh, and then decreasing anxiety i guess are valerian lavender um, let's see, jasmine, sweet basil, um, rose, frankincense, patchouli, geranium, bergamot, chamomile, uh, what else? Um, holy basil, ylang-ylang, some of those, probably tons of other ones, but that's what, what I have offhand. And another really, another really cool coping skill is, um you can actually freeze water bottles and use them for anxiety or when you're having like an anxiety attack or a panic attack you can use these by placing them on your wrist to slow your heart rate when you find that it's skyrocketing or placing one at the back of your neck to help bring down like the hot flush that you may feel or like sipping on ice water has been helpful for people or washing your face in cold water. And for me personally, when I found myself like having an, like an anxiety attack, blowing cold air into my face, I keep like a portable fan with me, not for anxiety purposes actually, because I'm hot like all the time and I live in Mississippi, so it's hot here. And I keep like a fan with me pretty much wherever I go. And you know, that fan blowing on my face. Um, some people like to just um, take a, a cold towel and, and you know place it on them and, and things like that but that's actually been found to be helpful for some people so those are just a few of the things that you can do to help decrease your anxiety yeah so that about wraps up the show for the day um yeah i just want to say thank you guys so much for being here and listening to the show i'm having a lot of fun and really enjoying creating content and i look forward to growing with everyone here i hope that today has been as helpful for you as it has been helpful and healing for me until the next time peace love and juice